0: Welcome on in. It is Overtime with Jonathan Petal. I'm glad you guys could be with me here. We made it to a Friday. Say we made it. Saying we made it feels like it's been like a slow crawl to get here. It's been a pretty nice week. I had a lot of fun talking with you guys so far this week. And I don't have a CBS show tomorrow, so that means I really get to just lay it all out, leave it all on the radio broadcasting field, and then uh, that'll be it. That'll be nice. And then I'll talk to you guys again on Monday. It's like like Groundhog's Day in a little bit of a way, but in a very nice way, because I enjoy talking to you guys. Uh, The thing I'm upset with about right now is the fact that... So as much as I love Apple TV, because they gave us Ted Lasso, and a couple other really good shows that Apple TV has given us throughout, really, the years. Now, Apple TV did not make the cut. I just need to be honest about it. Uh, There was a... At some point in my household, we put together that we are subscribed to way too many streaming things while also being one of the few 34 year olds to subscribe to you know basic cable as well. But I got. to. I, I watch so much sports. like I need a basic cable. I love basic cable. And but I'm also on Netflix, I'm on Hulu, I'm on Disney Plus, I'm on all these other different apps. and, and my wife and I we, we just we tried to feel like we were doing something good. We are the 400-pound person that goes to the all-you-can-eat buffet dinner and then orders a Diet Coke. Like, you just need to convince yourself you're doing something right. Something. And so we told ourselves we were going to cancel Apple TV. We love Ted Lasso. a couple other programs we really do enjoy, and we're like, well, let it build it up. Let Apple TV build up upon itself, and then we'll we'll get back in. We'll pay the seven bucks a month or whatever it is, and then we can watch everything we want to watch on Apple TV. And then we'll we'll cut we'll cut that out a month later or whatever it is, right? But the thing I failed to realize in making this decision a couple months ago, I thought I was outsmarting the game. I thought I was I was doing all right for myself. I didn't realize the Guardians had any games on Apple TV. So here I am tonight looking and feeling like an absolute jerk. Why is the Guardians-White Sox game, the White Sox who just went on a fire sale over the previous 48 hours against a Guardians team that's a game over 500? why is that the game that on July 28th, Apple TV's like, that's the one, that's what we need. Give that to us now. Now, I know they got to schedule these games out at a certain point. We couldn't have flexed this game. Where, where's NBC? NBC would have fucked this game weeks ago. What are we doing here? So I feel like an idiot. I went to go grab the, the remote. I went to go, ch- you know, change the channel, put on good old Bally Sports, get this thing fired up, and let's get this game and day going. And uh, no, it's on Apple TV. And so I imagine I'm gonna I'm gonna put this out there right now so I can stop any sort of phone calls because Mitch Palooza is back there and he's working very hard. Kid always works hard, and I don't want him to work any harder. So please do not call up and do the same thing I just did five minutes ago and be like, "Where, where's the Guardians game? I can't, I can't find the Guardians game. Where's the Guardians game? It's on Apple TV. And if you don't have Apple TV, baseball's telling you tough. I hate this. Absolutely hate it. They're, like, you shouldn't be able to have streaming games on platforms that all of, like, how many people in America have Apple TV? 20% of the population, maybe? That would be a high, high number because 20% of the population doesn't have just about anything that isn't basic cable. What 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 number are we realistically dealing with? It's so upsetting to me. Is Katie Nolan still on these games? I don't even know if that's true at this point. She was a bright spot for those games when she did them last year. A couple years. I like those. I did. But that was back when I had it. I cut the court. Honestly, I'm mad at myself. I'm not mad at Apple TV. I'm mad at myself. I thought I could outsmart the system. I outsmarted absolutely nothing. It's wise of them. They're going to make me fork over the seven bucks so I can watch Andres Jimenez in the two spots tonight, aren't they? I know what they did. They said, they said I, I, we know. We know there's a guy named Jonathan Peterlin who absolutely loves Jimenez in the two hole and thinks this is going to be a game changer for him. And so we're going to make sure that we get him for the $7 a month. Well, congratulations, Apple TV. You won this round. Unbelievable. Really, Major League Baseball, though, in all seriousness, Major League Baseball, this is not the leap you want to take yet. A Friday night in July, and I know it's not, it's not the, the creme de la creme matchup that you thought it would be, but a Friday night in July, and the, the, the diehards have no choice. If they don't have a subscription to Apple TV, all they can do is follow along on Twitter and, Follow along on their tweet deck. Listen to me for updates. I guess I'll, I'll give updates. Mitch Palooza has updates every 20 minutes. And, and then we go from there. It's unbelievable. Absolutely unbelievable. So anyway, I was having a good day until this. I thought I was going to watch some baseball tonight, do a radio show with you guys, you lovely people. It seemed like a pretty nice Friday night. My mom's in town right now. And so that's been a lot of joy. A lot of joy for a couple different reasons. Uh, one, she makes me lunch, which I think is awesome. Just an underrated part of... You just forget it, okay? It's one of those things. I haven't had someone make me lunch in a very long time. My wife works during the day. I'm gone for dinner, so, you know, i got to make my own food. That is what it is. I'm an adult. I can do that type of thing. Uh, but, yeah, having my mom make me lunch today was pretty sweet. And then we hung out with my, my daughter, and it was all sorts of fun. And then we, you know, he's gotten some mess watching some YouTube channels. She's like, she's really into uh, Legos. She's one of those adult Lego people. And I love it and support it because uh, it's a great hobby. She has a lot of fun with it. I think it's awesome. And we're watching all these like like YouTube Lego videos all day long. And these people are just so next level. I absolutely love it. You ever, ever think about that? The amount of people that just have these hobbies that they're so into it. They create all these different YouTube channels for it. They do all of this different unboxing and they go through all these different proper channels, and they have thousands, hundreds of thousands of people that watch. All of these videos, and it's something that I just never would have thought existed. There are so many subcategories on YouTube. It's amazing to me. Uh, yeah, I know. You're like, well, yeah, Jonathan. It's the same idea of like you watching your golf channels that you watch all day long. Yeah. Somebody that doesn't golf probably thinks it's wild that Barstool's foreplay, for instance, or Bob Does Sports can get hundreds of thousands of views of them just playing a golf course in somewhere else. And it is wild. But like all of these different categories just exist out there on YouTube, and people are just out there creating these channels, creating all this content. We watched a bowling one earlier because my mom bowled the same way I bowled. She was a very good bowler, and uh, you know we we put on this this one from this this guy that now plays in the the PBA tour. And I was like, why don't they have a graphic that that shows you the scores? And she's like, well, this isn't on Fox. This isn't a, like a major league broadcast. This is just this is a guy on a YouTube channel. You kind of have to cut him some slack. Like yeah, I guess I guess you're right. I was like the golf guys got this down, the bowlers can't have this down, but it's wild to me. All these different hobbies, all these different things on YouTube, I find it incredible. But it's been a, it's been a it's been a nice day, very nice day up until Apple TV decided to ruin my Guardians game tonight. But they're gonna get me in between the break. I'm getting the credit card out now as we speak. They're gonna get me in between the break, but I'm not pleased about it. At least I'll be able to see what happens in the latest season of Ted Lasso. So there's positives all the way around. What I want to start with you guys though is a realization I had earlier today. And as always, Browns fans at the center stage, your time is now. I need you to tell me if you think I'm slicing this one off in the woods or if I'm piping this one 275 right down the middle. I need you to tell me if I got the right feel on this one because it's not going to sound like a typical take from me. It's not going to sound like a typical thought that I have. You guys know me. We've known each other for a long time now. You guys know how I think. You guys know what my sports thoughts are. It's not to the point where I'm predictable, let's say, but it also is to the point where if I say what I'm about to tell you, I think most people that listen to me on a consistent enough basis would be surprised. When it comes to measuring whether or not Deshaun Watson is elite, I don't care about the numbers. I don't care about the numbers. You guys, I know what you're thinking. Jonathan, you bring numbers into every thought, every equation you have. You guys know. I live on profootballreference.com. I think numbers are fantastic. I think they're a great way to supplement your arguments. And I could make a legitimate case that when it comes to bringing up numbers into football or baseball or even basketball conversations, I don't think I'm speaking out of pocket. And if anything, I'd almost say this almost hurts me more than it helps me. That's why I feel fair to admit it. I would bet I bring numbers into more arguments than any other talk show host on this station. I Actually, I, there's parts of me that kind of marvel at what some of the hosts on this station can do in having 15 half-hour, hour conversations and not bringing a single stat into the equation. Like That, in and of itself, is its own skill. Me, I like to supplement my takes with numbers, with thoughts, with... I, I blend them all together, right? But I lean on numbers, I think, more than most hosts And I can say with confidence any other host on this station. So I would be the perfect person to be able to tell you that Deshaun Watson's success will be dictated by 4,800 yards, 35 touchdowns, fewer than 10 interceptions, leading the league in yards per attempt. One of those type seasons, which is, I'm just reading off basically the same year that he had his final year in Houston. And by reading off, I mean, that's already just, just, put right there on the top of my dome because let's be honest. I know the numbers. I don't have to read off anything for that, but the reality is I don't care if it's 5,100 yards. I don't care if it's 45 touchdowns. I don't care if it's five interceptions in the entire season long. I won't be looking at this season to find out whether or not Deshaun Watson is quote unquote elite through any of the numbers. I'm going to be looking at Deshaun Watson and judging whether or not he's entered that tier of top quarterbacks based off of win-loss record. I know, it sounds a little antiquated. sounds like I'm judging pitchers from the 1990s. We've we've since banded and gotten rid of that. The win-loss record in baseball just doesn't mean what it used to mean. There's a lot of people of a certain age out there that are listening that are saying to themselves, well, I still use win-loss record. Well, I hate to put it this way, but that conversation is gone the way of the dodo bird. We don't use win-loss record in baseball for pitchers anymore. The same way we can't just rely on win-loss record for quarterbacks to be the end all be-all, but there is something within the Deshaun Watson conversation that I think we need to unpack. His last year in Houston was the best statistical season that he ever had, by far. It was the most impressive season that he had. It was after that season that people put him in the top five. It was after that season that people started talking about Deshaun Watson as one of the best to sling the rock. I thought to myself, okay, they won four games that year. A lot of people have routinely brought that up. They won four games that year. They won one of the worst defenses that money could buy, but they had four wins that year. Deshaun Watson statistically looked much better that last season than in seasons where he won double digit games with the Texans. I don't think we can look at Deshaun Watson and use his numbers as a way to tell whether or not he's successful and as a way to tell whether or not he's elite. I think when it comes to Deshaun Watson, we got to take everything into the equation. But more importantly, we got to look into the win-loss record. If they win 11 games, I don't know how you can get to that number and have Deshaun Watson you know, vomiting all over his shoes and not being good from a statistical standpoint. But if he's mediocre, let's say, and they win 11 games, 12 games, and the defense helps out a lot, but he gets all sorts of that uh, pieces of that offense humming and hung and going at every single turn, guess what? That's all I need. I don't need him to turn water into wine. I don't need him to be Patrick Mahomes right away. I need him to gradually get there. But I also need for this season to get the W. And to show me that in the fourth quarter of a close game, you know how to close the game out and you know how to get that W and, and secure that win. I'm not as interested in what happens at 35-7 to seven when you're already blowing out a team, defenses look great, uh, great, you're up four scores. I'm not as interested in that. I talked to all sorts of people when I was in Houston, or excuse me, when he was in Houston, and that I knew when I lived in Houston little confusing there. Me and Deshaun Watson did not bypass. I was there in the J.J. Watt era, not in the Deshaun Watson era. J.J. Watt, magnificent human. Just throwing that out there. Not a single person could say a bad thing about J.J. Watt. He was an incredible human and great for that city. But not a single person I talked to in referencing Deshaun Watson would go down with the idea that he didn't use some garbage time to pad his numbers. That four-win season A lot of the 4,800 was done in meaningless time and in games that didn't matter. I don't care if you're down three or four scores and then all of a sudden you throw a couple touchdown passes and you lose by two scores. That's not what I'm looking for with Deshaun Watson this year. I'm looking for the 17-17 in the fourth quarter against Cincinnati. Not only converts the third down into a first, but then continues the drive, gets us into the end zone, and then congratulations, you just beat Cincinnati. That's what I'm looking for. four474 to below 92. What is elite for you with Deshaun Watson this year? And should we only be using wins as the measuring stick for Deshaun? We'll continue on with that at JP, as I don't you find me on Twitter. J-P-E-T-E-R-L-I-N. And of course, our Twitter reactions brought to you by Scheibin Jewelers, Cleveland's Premier Jewelry Store. We'll continue on with this. It's overtime with Jonathan Beatle and here with you on the fan. All right, back out of here on The Fan. It is overtime with Jonathan Peter. I hope you guys are all enjoying your Friday night. Appreciate you guys hanging around. Spending your Friday with me. And, and right now, we're just... We're talking about Deshaun Watson. It just It's not something that I expected out of myself, even. It's fun when you can throw yourself a curveball, isn't it? It's felt more like an EFIS pitch, if I'm being honest about it. But it was it was a nice, different beat for myself. It surprised myself a lot lately, actually. But... When it comes to this topic and asking you guys what is elite for Deshaun Watson, typically I'd be able to tell you. 4,800 yards, I want 35 touchdowns, I want fewer than 10 interceptions. I can rattle off the numbers that I know I'm going to be pleased with by the end of the season. But ultimately with Deshaun Watson, I just think he's in a different spot than other quarterbacks. I think he's in a different spot because last year, excuse me, the last time we saw him play in Houston, they won four games with arguably one of the worst defenses you've ever seen. But remember when Andrew Luck, this is what I always give credit with Andrew Luck for. Andrew Luck had some of the worst defenses that you'd ever see, and he still managed to get to 8, 9, 10 wins every single year. That's how I knew Andrew Luck was great, when he was taking absolute dog defenses and actually still winning ball games. It didn't matter what the defense was. We make so many excuses for all these players when it comes to the defense, and most of the time you're right. You know, Justin Herbert, for instance, Saw a stat the other day, Justin Herbert had the most points by anybody in the first three years of his rookie, uh, you know, first three years of his career. And then I also saw the defense for the Chargers gave up the most points of anybody in the previous three years. Like, it was like, yeah, okay, so you want to know why Justin Herbert doesn't win playoff games? There's your answer. But there are certain quarterbacks that can overcome that. Deshaun Watson was not able to overcome that in Houston, and I do think it helped inflate some of his yards. The amount of the the, 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 the stats at the very end of it. Because, and let's be honest, all these people that are like, no, he was that great. Listen, I think he's going to be great here. But I'm also not going to lie to you guys and say I watched every one of a 4-12 and 12 Houston Texans season. And nobody else is either. Uh, there are people that play for the Texans that their parents probably didn't even watch all 16 games. Hell, if you were on the Texans and you got injured at any point in that season, you probably didn't watch all 16 games. Like, I'll, I'll watch... Watch the Chiefs this week, guys. I don't know. Huh? Rough, rough, uh, rough team to be watching here. So I think with Deshaun, we got to be using a different way to measure the success for this season. And so I don't want to go for a stats breakdown and then tell me whether or not it's a green check or a, a, you know, a, a big red X at the end of the year. I'd rather just, let's go by wins-losses for the man. Let's see what he does in the fourth quarter of certain games. Let's see what he does. In in converting third downs. It is not a catch-all. You can't just say uh, because he threw for 40 touchdowns and 4,800 yards, he was great. doesn't really work that way. You can have a really good statistical season and not get the wins. You can also have a season where maybe your stats aren't the greatest in the world. You don't get the wins and you don't get the credit that maybe you should have deserved. I think both things can be true, but ultimately with Deshaun, I I just I need to get him in a spot where we just collect Ws. That's what I need to get us to a spot where we can consistently say in the fourth quarter of a big game we got our guy. I trust him to finish the job. I trust him to go out there and convert the pass. And that's really honestly all I got to be thinking about in a big moment in any sort of game. And I want your input two one six four seven four to below ninety two. But in a big moment, can I trust that Deshaun Watson, I'd prefer him to have the rock in his hands as opposed to relying on the defense to get a turnover or a big-time play with a big sack by Miles Garrett or something else? Because there were times in the previous couple years where I was looking around and I thought to myself, Joe Woods' defense doesn't do it here. We don't have a chance. There were were way too many times in the previous couple years I had those thoughts. That's not the thoughts you want. You don't want to rely on the defense when you're supposed to have one of the best offenses in the game. Ryan in Chicago going to lead us off here on the fan. Hello, Ryan. How are you tonight?
2: Hey, man. Hey, uh, you're damn right. I want the W's. I want to obviously see what Watson's capability is of growing, obviously, uh, not just uh, physically and on the field, but mentally, obviously, uh, just putting things in the back burner. Um, just real quick uh, side note prior to me, uh Talking about, Deshaun, you said your mom's in town. Are you of, yeah. originally from Chicago as well? Is that correct?
0: Yeah, I'm originally from the south side, uh, Beverly area, because I know you're, you're in Chicago right now. So I'm from Beverly, the really, like the really Irish neighborhood. But my mom lives in Kansas now.
2: Nice. Very nice. Yeah, Schomburg, Elgin, Palestine. Been here for four months working. I digress in that. Chicago's great, though. Very similar to Cleveland suburbs. Um, anyway, man, I tell you, it's all about the Brownies moving forward. Um, you know, obviously, Watson is the key keynote. Other than maybe the defensive tackles on the defensive side, the keynote to make this thing get get everything acc- uh, acclimated to W's. Uh, again, we've seen what he can do. Obviously, we know what he's capable of doing. So that's the thing. We're just on bated breath, I guess. We're um, anxious now. We gave him his breather, a mulligan if you call it that last year. Apparently, obviously, and obviously not playing for many many games due to the um, you know the penalties inflicted on him, obviously by. The commissioner, but again, it's time now. This is enough, enough. Now it's time for the W's and showcasing what he's capable of doing, which is winning the damn game and being the guy at crunch time when we're down in the fourth quarter, you know, when we need to get 70 yards to uh, at least get in field goal range or get that uh, TD to win the game. And he has that style of play. When it's on the line, he's at its best. Don't get me wrong. Every quarterback has to win when they're in the danger zone. And have done obviously, but Deshaun truly is at his capability when he's under stressful scenarios when plays break up, when he's got to get out of would be tackles in the backfield, dinks and dunks. You know, again, I want to get in breathing room, but his best his best scenarios from back in Clemson, even high school days, whatever it may be, is just under stressful scenarios. And again, I can't wait, man. Obviously, Hall of Fame game will be there next week. That'll be fun. Oh, we'll you're going to see him for. Oh, God, yeah, I got firm seats seats uh, for the – and I was front seat last year. Such a boring, boring induction ceremony last year. You better look. You better love football. Yeah, you better love football in the induction ceremony Well, last year. there wasn't a lot this of good year. players
0: last year, though. So let's be honest.
2: Yeah, but this year, this year it's Joe, man. I mean, come on. And Harrison obviously, a Northeast Ohio guy. So, again, it, it's just going to be hair in the back of your neck. Are you going by any chance, Feeling?
0: I don't think so. I got CBS that night, and so I'm doing CBS on Saturday night, and Thursday I'm on the air leading up to – the game itself. So I don't think I'm gonna be doing anything with the Hall of Fame. They were they were talking about potentially something on Sunday, but I, I don't see the point in that right now. I'm gonna be honest. But I I do I go wherever they tell me. But as of right now, I'm I'm not planning to do anything now.
2: Nice. I hear you, man. But anyway it's gonna be a lot of fun. Obviously this is probably the best Hall of Fame game since ninety nine to the Browns versus Cowboys sure. when we came back. But this one's better yeah. with Joe and Duckett and Harrison, obviously Northeast Ohio guy. But hey, great show as always, Peterlin. Good to talk to you again. You have a great night. Thanks. Thank
0: you, Ryan. You too. Yeah. You know, uh, shockingly enough, they don't ask me to go on the, the parades and the floats like Ken and Anthony. And shockingly enough, uh, I did not get the the Joe Thomas party invite the way that like half of this radio station ended up getting, and some some weaselled their way into. But that's not my story to tell. That's somebody else's story to tell. Maybe they'll tell it one day. I doubt it. I doubt it. Maybe they will, though. But yeah, no, I don't. I don't. uh, It's a weird setup. So, like Saturday on CBS Sports Radio, I'll be talking while Joe Thomas is talking. But what's funny is I did the same show last year as well, also on CBS Sports Radio. I'll go back to Deshaun in a second. But last year, I'll just—I'll never forget. So Tony Baselli got inducted into the Hall of Fame last year, and Tony Baselli. Has the resume of he would fall in that hall of very good, not Hall of Fame in my estimation. Like it was, it was like five years. It was not the most impressive five years. You could find somebody better. Like the reason why I think Joe Batonio should get in the Hall of Fame is looking at what Tony Baselli did and then saying how does that guy get in, but Joe Batonio doesn't. Okay, that's that's like my number one argument right there. And so at this point, I, I have like an hour left on CBS Sports Radio. All the, the conversations have stopped, all the different people have stopped talking. We are at that point of the evening. I've given off my fire NFL's you know opinions and all that stuff and and we're just we're we're battling, but we're getting through the night and we're having ourselves a good time. And I just decided to rip Tony Bassowie. I mean I don't know why. I well, I know why. I thought it was a front to the Hall of Fame that that he got in, okay? And I wasn't pleased with it. And I'm not some gatekeeper to the football hall of fame. But ultimately they tell me that selection process is one of the more ridiculously hard processes to bypass and get your way through if you're just a fraudulent player. And in no stretch did anybody think like oh yeah we could we could have this one checked. We could have this one figured out. So anyway, so fast forward, I'm on I'm on CBS Sports Radio and I am just I am just ripping Tony Vaselli. I mean, I'm just I am just tearing him apart and that's all right. And that's fine. It was what it was. But then I had that realization that because CBS sports radio is all across the country, that there was a better than 0% chance that Tony Baselli just had the greatest night of his life. Hall of fame induction ceremony, everything you could ever dream of. That is why you work so hard. That is part of the, I mean, the fruits of your labor are showing through. But, of course, in Tony Baselli's case, it's not really, you know, the fruits of the labor the same way that other people have it because, uh, you know, he only played in the league for, like, seven years. But that's neither here nor there. That's neither here nor there. I mean, other guys played longer. That's whatever. Neither here nor there. Yeah, great. You, you made it to five Pro Bowls. Congratulations. Uh, but, ne- again, neither here nor there. Neither here nor there. And I came to the conclusion that there was a better than 0% chance that I was just ripping Tony Baselli as he got in the car to celebrate the greatest moment of his life, turned on the radio to go back to his own party. Everyone's got a party that gets inducted into the Hall of Fame. Everyone has they all have their own parties. They all rent out certain spots. That's why like like Jerry Jones famously has spent a bunch of money when different cowboys get selected in and they have like ridiculous people there. Like Kid Cuddy will probably be an artist for somebody's I would imagine Joe Thomas It it wouldn't shock me if Joe Thomas, if you go to his party, and there's no invites for, you know, us. There's invites for, like, you know, Ken and Anthony. But not like us, okay? Not like me and you. And so, it wouldn't surprise me if Joe Thomas is all of a sudden having his own party where, like, Machine Gun Kelly pops out, okay? But in my mind, Baselli got in his car, he turned on the radio to head to his party, and he just heard me tearing his Hall of Fame career completely apart. and I've never felt more alive. I've never loved it more. You deserve every bit of it, Tony Baselli. You deserve every bit of it. No. So I don't know what I'm going to do this year because there's a lot of people that actually are earned and deserving of the Hall of Fame. Joe Thomas, obviously the highlight of that, but it's a good class and we're going to have good classes now for the next like six years. It's set up where there's going to be a little bit of a log jam. Last year was getting all the guys that were log jammed in now, this year is like we start the whole process all over again, and there's going to be there's good players this year. There's good players for the next four or five years. It's, it's going to be tough again to get into the Hall of Fame. But that's not why you call it. Right now, we're talking about Deshaun Watson. And actually, let, let me play a clip for you guys, okay? This is going to be in the fan focus, but I want to play it ahead of time because I agree with it. This is Ken er- All right, we'll get to that in a second. Basically, the point for me, though, The only way I can judge Watson, it'll be like reading putts on the putting green. It's going to have to be a feel thing, okay? Late in a game, in a battle against Joe Burrow, do I feel like he's going to make the big throw and get the job done? Or am I banking on some big defensive plays to get us across the finish line? This is part of what I don't like about Josh Allen's game when you try to compare it to Joe Burrow. Burrow comes up big, he erases leads, you know the Bengals... They're just they're right there. You guys know that. Allen went all of two thousand twenty-one without a fourth quarter comeback or a game winning drive. Josh Allen doesn't have that in him the same way that Joe Burrow does. He just doesn't. Joe Burrow late in games. You know you feel confident with Joe Burrow. Hell, I thought one of the one of the best compliments I can give to Kirk Cousins. Outside of the fact that he reminds me of Spencer German. That's a big compliment for you, Kirk Cousins. Which I feel bad about because then, I, you know, before I told Spencer, he reminded me of him. I also mentioned how he reminded me of Ned Flanders, but that's a different story for a different time. Kirk Cousins has been dogged by me personally for years. One point I nicknamed him the Bum Slayer because he just beat up on a bunch of bums. And he got, a, he got all his stats off of bad teams consistently year in, year out. He won 13 games last year, and I don't think this is the quarterback documentary that is, uh, you know, muddying up my eyes. Kirk Cousins last year had eight fourth-quarter comeback or game-winning drives. Now, I'm not saying that I all of a sudden believe in Kirk Cousins, but when you have eight, let the league by a long shot, you have eight fourth-quarter game-winning drives, Minnesota, at least last year, could trust that Kirk Cousins late in games could get him to the finish line and get them to the finish line. I can't say the same thing with Josh Allen. I can definitely say that with Mahomes. I can say it with Burrow, and that's what I need to get to. I need to get to a spot with Deshaun Watson. Forget the numbers. I need to get to a spot with Deshaun Watson where it feels like to me that I can depend on him, I can trust him, and I know that in the fourth quarter, game-winning drive, game on the line, he's going to be able to get the job done. So, do I have this one right? 216474 to below 92. What is elite for Deshaun Watson? And should we only be using wins as the measuring stick for Deshaun? Also, what did Ken and Anthony say about elite for Deshaun Watson as well? We'll get to all that and more. It's overtime with Jonathan Peterman here with you guys on the fam. Nothing says a Friday Night Rager like this, man. Woo! Back out of here on the fan. It is overtime with Jonathan Peterlin. I'm asking you guys, what is a lead for Deshaun Watson? That's what I want to know. Because, and I, I, I listen, I you guys know me. You guys know how I think. You guys know I love to import numbers into a lot of my analysis, into a lot of what I do. I, I don't need to impress the Warren Sharps of the world. And right now, I I, I get it. You're thinking to yourself, who kidnapped Jonathan? He loves numbers. He loves stats. He loves judging players off of that. Of course he does. I've always looked deeper, or at least tried to look deeper than that. But I use stats to go ahead and supplement some of it. But in the case of Deshaun Watson, I don't think stats are going to do a thing for you guys. I think at the end of the year, if you if you look up and it's 5,100 yards and 40 touchdowns, if we win six games, I don't think you guys are going to care. You guys are not going to be impressed. He had what happened to... Let me rephrase this better. He had a season his last year in Houston that was one of four in NFL history to be over 4,500 yards passing, more than 30 touchdowns, fewer than 10 interceptions, while leading the league in yards per attempt. That's only happened four times in NFL history, and Deshaun Watson did that his last year. He won four games. I know, he had a really bad defense, a real atrociously awful defense, but ultimately... I just, I believe when it comes to Deshaun, the only thing that should matter this year is the wins losses. Only thing that should matter for the Browns and Browns fans is not 4,500 yards. Hell, it could be 2,500 yards for all I care. Win games. Ultimately, that's the only thing I care about when it comes to Deshaun. He, he could just crawl to the finish line and he could look like close to doo-doo. If we're 11-win, 12-win team, keep on going. Hell, that's actually a great sign for us because I know he won't be that bad for long. I know he'll turn it around eventually. So if we got an 11-12 win team based off of Nick Chubb and some defense, well, congratulations to us. That's a good spot to be in. I like the sound of that. But ultimately, it's, what I like about it is 11 or 12 wins. And I know what you guys are are thinking in regards to putting your own number together. Let me explain to this just a little bit deeper into my, some of my logic. A lot of people wonder about David Njoku consistently. You know, David Njoku is paid like a top five tight end. Ultimately, uh, I I did tight end rankings a couple weeks ago, and I think I settled on him being the eighth best tight end in the league. It's a pretty good ranking I thought I had. I think it was like eighth. You could put him somewhere between six to ten, and I think he'd end up being all right, though. It's a good, good tight end. Got paid a lot of money. Here's what I like about David Njoku. Go back to that Buccaneers game last year, fourth quarter. You guys remember the – am I setting the scene all right for you guys? Fourth quarter, we are down 17-10, to 10, 32 seconds left in the game. Jacoby Brissett, the quarterback. And Joku's got the one-handed grab that Brissett put absolutely zero touch on. I really – Brissett should have just given it some air, and it probably went all right. But he put a zero touch on the ball. He threw it like it was a 95-mile-per-hour fastball. And Joku reaches out with his one arm – extends out as he's falling, catches the pass, and one of the more athletic moves from a tight end you're ever going to see and one of the more impressive plays in time, uh, moment of game, everything you could possibly come up with. Hell, that's an impressive game if you're down five scores and you're just looking to make completions and keep the ball moving. That was a touchdown with 30 seconds left against Thomas Edward Patrick Brady in the crucial spot in the game in a poorly thrown ball in a ball he shouldn't have come up with, and that's what I'm talking about. I, I, I know that David Njoku has that in him, and because I know he's got that in him, I'll always go to bat for David Njoku. After watching that one play alone, you could show that to aliens, and they'd be like, okay, he's, this guy can play. Just that one, that's all you need to see. You'd be like, all right, great. I, I, I'm i a David Njoku fan. Uh, aliens get discounts at the team shop, right? No, I don't know that they do. But like the whole point is there will be certain moments with Deshaun Watson where I genuinely do believe fourth quarter, late parts of games, important games that matter, and we'll know right then and there whether or not we have faith and belief that he can get the job done. And if right then and there he can get the job done, that's how we end up building trust with Deshaun Watson. That's how we end up building the faith in Deshaun Watson, not necessarily wondering whether or not his numbers are elite. Or if his numbers are good enough. Here was Ken earlier today. I like Ken's uh, take on this one. Here we go.
1: You and I got kind of got contentious with each other. Let me go back to it here. You wanted me to define elite yes. for a second. What would it mean for Deshaun Watson? Not right. just numbers, because it's well, easy. We throw out numbers this is all the time. My, this is my, and I don't think you're going to do this week one, by the way. I don't think you're going to do it week one. So don't, don't be calling me up on Monday if the Browns lose that Sunday against Cincinnati and come after me. Don't say that. What elite is. Elite is a relationship. That's what elite quarterbacks are. Record this and send it to everybody. Elite is a relationship. It is trust. It's not numbers. It's not fantasy points. That's not what elite is. Elite is we're down our defense messed up. We did not scheme for this, right? They 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 out-schemed us here at the beginning. We're down 14 nothing. Can you take us down the field? Yes. It's a relationship. It's trust. It's I put the ball in your hands and you just threw a stupid interception because every quarterback in America, in the world, is going to throw a stupid pick once or twice in their life. It's you just threw a bad interception. We're here in the third quarter. It's still a two-possession game. I'm going to put the ball right back in your hands because you're going to be able to make up for that pick and you're going to be able to lead us down there and get us back within three. That's what it is. That's what a lead is. It's guys you trust. Yeah, I agree. I, I think it's gotta be something that we can
0: just you know it when you see it. That's the old uh the old case on pornography, like it's uh, 70 years ago. You guys know what I'm talking about? How do you know if it's pornography? I, I I don't know how to define it, but I know it when I see it. That's what this is. I don't know how to define elite quarterback play, but I know it when I see it. And w- and with Deshaun Watson, I'll know when I see it that he's that he's that guy. He's him. Willy Wonka's shutting down the chocolate factory. There's no more golden tickets. you got to win games. you got to show me that you know how to win, which is something that Stefanski needs to show me as well. Many different ways to fake your way into an elite-level numbers season. I don't think I'll be satisfied with 4,800 yards. In fact, I'm telling you I won't be. 4,800 yards, 35 touchdowns, and then we get six wins at the end of the year. I'll be, I'll be mad, and I'm not going to give Deshaun Watson excuses for it either. I'll start to say things like, the man needs to learn how to win ball games, And you'll probably clap back and say, well, what about his defense? And I'll have to go back to Andrew Luck and all the times he won 8, 9, 10 games with one of the worst defenses you'd ever see. Great quarterbacks, and he's supposed to be great for $230 million, overcome those type of things. And in his last year in Houston, he didn't overcome that in the slightest bit. The other element here is that the Justin Herbert contract opened up some people's eyes to the idea that some top quarterbacks are being paid and they haven't won as much as a stuffed animal. The top two quarterbacks in dollars is Lamar Jackson and Justin Herbert. They have a combined one playoff win. Five of the top ten in salary for quarterbacks have one or fewer playoff wins in their career. And Deshaun Watson is in that list, by the way. It's no surprise to me that the top two in the sport, in my mind, are the two quarterbacks that have had a massive amount of postseason success. Joe Burrow has been to two straight AFC title games and the Super Bowl two years ago. Patrick Mahomes has been to five straight AFC title games, three Super Bowls, and has won two of them. And in those five AFC title games, the only two games he lost, both were in overtime, and one of them he didn't get the ball back. So, like, it's no surprise to me that when we come up with these quarterback tiers, we always go Mahomes... At least I do. Maybe you guys don't, but I do. I go Mahomes, then I go Burrow, and then I go the rest of the field. It's like three tiers before I even start breaking anything else down. Mahomes, Burrow, and then a whole nother tier for everybody else. And the reason why uh, Mahomes and Burrow are in that next category to me, it's got nothing to do with how many passing yards they throw in a season. In fact, let me admit something to you right now. Even though I know Mahomes had over 5,000 yards last season and he was the only quarterback in the NFL to have over 5,000 yards, I couldn't tell you for the slightest bit how many Joe Burrow had. I have not a clue. And this is something I study. I don't have a clue how many yards he had. You made me guess, you know, gun to my head. I would probably say somewhere in the 4,500, 4,700 yard territory, but I can't say confidently one way or another. Can't, 100% cannot tell you with confidence what that number is. And that's okay. That's fine. You know what I know about Joe Burrow? I know Joe Burrow wins games. And I know Joe Burrow late in games where it feels like he's down and out. Bring back that AFC title game from two years ago where uh, Mahomes versus Burrow. Burrow absolutely down three scores at halftime. Came back. Won that game. He just knows how to do it. Cincinnati wasn't fretting at halftime. They weren't worried at halftime. They knew they had a guy that could not only get him back in that game but could win him that game. That's all I need to see from Deshaun Watson. I don't care about 4,100. I don't care about 3,500. I don't care about 4,500. I don't care. Lamar Jackson earlier this year, Lamar was like, I'm going to throw for 6,000 yards. I thought, congratulations. What does 6,000 yards do for you if you win four games? Absolutely nothing. So I'm not in the numbers business for Deshaun Watson. I'm in the winning business for Deshaun Watson. And that's how he's going to show us that he's elite. Because the two people I think are actually elite in the NFL Win in spades. And there's a lot of people that we put in the top 10 that just don't. Again, Herbert, Lamar, one combined playoff win. All right, we come on back. We'll continue with your phone calls if you want to squeeze that in. 216-474-0092. There was something that happened across the NBA today that I think could be good news for Cavs fans that just want Donovan Mitchell to the Knicks conversations to go away. I'll explain what that is. We'll take your phone calls, 216-474-0092. On Twitter, there you can find me. I am at J. Peterlin. It's Overtime with Jonathan on here with you on The Fan.